Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. Again, a series today entitled The Seven Seas. Now, you say it's pirates. What are we talking about? We are going to be diving into the book of Revelation for the summer. <laughs> Some of you went, what? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit to you, when someone comes into my office and all they want to do is talk about the book of Revelation, that's it. And they're all predictive and what they think it is. I, in the back of my mind, all I hear is, cuckoo. I, I'm with you. But ultimately, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we need it. Somebody say amen. And it all points to Christ. So if maybe you've been nervous about the book of Revelation and you, and you think, you know, man, I, I don't know about it because it has all these, these signs and wonders and this and that. In fact, in Scripture, it's, it's what they call apocalyptic literature. Maybe you've been a little afraid to, to uh, dive into it. Man, you do not want to miss this summer. Can I have an amen? Okay. Uh, I know some of us are going to be on vacation uh, and that sort of thing, but, but stay with us for the summer. It's going to be awesome. The seven seas. In book of Revelation chapter 2 especially speaks of the seven churches of Asia Minor that Jesus himself sends a message to. The writer of the book of Revelation is a man by the name of John. Some think it's the Apostle John. Others think it's a, a different John. But because he was declaring the word of the Lord, he was exiled to the island of Patmos. Basically, he was, he was cast aside. He was, he was imprisoned for, 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 for declaring the wonders of the Lord. And then Scripture says this, that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Don't you think on the Lord's day we need to be in the Spirit? Amen. Folks, we need the Spirit to go to Walmart after church. Can I have an amen? amen? We need to be in the Spirit every day. But he's in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and the word comes from Jesus himself. And he says to John, he says, write this stuff down and make it known so ultimately what happens is it is as if Jesus pulls back the curtain on time and space and John gets to look in and and see what's going on and receive the the word of the Lord that's why in in the book of revelations you'll see what John says I saw what looked like and he's trying to describe in some places jasper walls and streets of gold and all this other stuff can you imagine what he got to see and folks there's coming a day if you believe the word of the Lord we're going to get to see it too amen but he but he but he writes specifically Jesus sends messages to the seven churches of Asia Minor he's he's giving them kudos he's giving them rebukes and ultimately it's it's one big letter and scholars tell us that what he was writing to all seven churches it was an open letter so as it made it to one church all the churches could read what Jesus was saying to the other church or to the next church in line and why is that so important uh, because what one church was going through at that moment, the next church would probably be going through it at some point in time. Amen? 
So why is that important to us today? Woodlake family, and if you're a guest, you're a part of the family today, so listen. It's important to remember that Woodlake is a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, We're not the only game in town. God is moving all across the Tulsa area. And Woodlake family, I want to remind you, as much as you intercede and pray for a move of God at Woodlake, you pray for it at the assembly, at foundations, at, at victory, at church on the move, at guts. I could go down the list. This town is full of amazing churches doing what God has called them to do. We are not disconnected. We are the body of Christ. Amen? So it's important. So the first church up in Jesus' message to John was the church at Ephesus. Everybody say Ephesus. Okay, it's important that you remember this, and let me give you the context of Ephesus. Ephesus was a well-known church. The city of Ephesus was a rough, rough place to live. It was a port town. It was, it was, it was a, a home to the temple, to, to Diana, the fertility god. She was worshipped with forms of sexual immorality. It was, it was rampant in the community. And uh, it, it, it was just a, a hotbed of, of satanic activity. Scholars tell us that there were, uh, it was a place where scrolls were produced with sorcery and satanic arts and different things. It was a place where, where idols were manufactured. These were major forms of business there. But the church stood strong. In fact, if you read in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul shows up in Ephesus and God was moving in some incredible waves. They had received the word from the Lord. They responded to it. They ultimately received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the church caught fire so much so that people were coming to Christ in mass. Folks, don't you think the church of Jesus needs to catch fire today? The book of Acts records that so much so that people were bringing their, the scrolls that had all their sorcery and, and black magic and all this other stuff, they, would, they, would, they were burning them publicly, getting rid of them. God was moving so much that people were stopping buying idols. In fact, they complained about it. They went to the Apostle Paul and said, stop, it's hurting our business. And that's, that's how much the move of God was taking place. Let's pause here for just a moment. We need a move of God in the city of Tulsa. We need a move of God in the state of Oklahoma. We need a move of God in our nation. Amen? Let's just back up off the ledge. Woodlake needs a move of God. Yes. Amen? Folks, let me just share the heart of your pastor here today. I don't want to play church. This church has to belong to Jesus or this is a colossal waste of time. We need a move of God in such a way that the captives are still set free. Can I have an amen? We need a move of God in such a way that those who are lost and away from Christ cannot deny the cross of Jesus or his power. Amen? We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, healings, and and freedom manifest in this church. Can I have an amen? You say, Jamie, what do we need to do? Step one, real simple, come to prayer service. Here Pastor goes talking about prayer service again. 6.30, Wednesday nights. I know some of you got to work and you can't be here all the time. That's okay. But you need to be here for prayer service. That is what the Woodlake family is doing. Be here. Can I just, I'm going to, Pastor Brandon, I'm going to spill the beans already. We're already having reports of healings taking place. Powerful things going on. 
Not only that, we're seeing people come to Christ. I had one individual come out of the prayer service uh, a Wednesday night, tears streaming down their face, and they cried. They said, I finally accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior tonight. Oh, doesn't that, that's in a prayer service, y'all. Come on. By the way, that's why we turn the lights on here. Our number one overarching goal, if you've been to GoTrack, is to see people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I said, what did it tonight? In fact, Brad, we were talking about it earlier. He, he said this. He just tears streaming down his face. He goes, I finally get it. It's all Jesus. We should have come unglued right there. You know why? Woodlake family, it's all Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, God is trying to get across to us his love story that God loved us so much, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, who didn't just show up in the Gospels, but started showing up in Revelation, showing us that he would ultimately pay the price for all of our sins, all of our mistakes, and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's about Jesus, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus, amen? Our Savior, our healer, come on. And ultimately, that's what the book of Revelation is about. It, it's about Jesus. Don't get so hung up on the signs that you miss the Savior. Because that's really what it's all about. But Jesus gets real serious. Revelation chapter 2, John's writing this down. He says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. We're going to unpack that over the, over the next few weeks. But verse 2, Jesus says this to the church. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. And again, we see this in the book of Acts. Man, they're standing strong. God's moving. Verse 3, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. <laughs> you have somebody that said, I need to talk to you. And they start out, and it's really good at first. You just know where that's going after that, don't you? We call it the Oreo principle, right? Okay, let's keep going. He says this, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Some versions say you've forsaken your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. Everybody say repent. We're going to unpack that in just a moment. And do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Isn't it interesting that, that um, let me say it this way. There's a lot of people in the modern church today that like to play religious games. If you get nothing else out of the series, you get this. Jesus, don't play. That doesn't sound very theological, but it is solid. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. I hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. We'll unpack that, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. As we unpack this and all the letters to the churches over the next few weeks, I, I don't want us to sit here and go, oh, that sounds like that church, or oh, that sounds like that church. We are the church. 
and what one church is going through, the truth is we're going to be going through it at some point in time, or maybe we've already gone through it, and, 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 and God's corrected us, or God's changed our course of direction. Can I just tell you this right now? We don't need to disparage any, any work of God. I'm talking about a church that preaches the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, Jamie, what if that church doesn't preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, then they're not the church. I need to say that one more time just so you know where our stance is. And it's biblical. If, 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 a, if a, a group of religious people does not preach the entirety of God's word as truth, it is not the church. That's a gad, gathering of false religion. And I'm going to show you that in Scripture today. So if you get mad at me, just bypass me and get mad at Jesus, okay? Because it's in the Bible. I'm only going to give you the Bible today, okay? So, again, you got Ephesus. Man, they're busy with the things of God. Man, they're doing great things. They're standing their ground in the midst of a society that is slipping into a satanic stronghold. And oh, has it never been more relevant today? Our society is in the process of slipping into a satanic stronghold where people are calling things that are immoral, moral. And then if we, if we declare the word of the Lord, then, then, then oh, we get mad at it. We're, we're hypocrites. We're hateful. No, 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 no. God's word doesn't change just because society changes. Amen? So what are some things that we can learn from this? And here, if you're taking notes, uh, this passage of scripture shows us that we as the church that taking a stand for Christ is standard practice should be standard practice he says this I know your deeds your hard work and your per perseverance I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you've tested them and you've claimed to be those who've claimed to be apostles and are not and you have found them false ultimately he was saying this that people that come in and they claim to declare the word of the lord and they claim to be preachers of the gospel and giving words and that sort of thing he was saying you know what you don't just believe them just because they say it you test them that's a good reminder the modern church needs to get better at testing what they're hearing can I have an amen? amen? Let me tell you, don't just let your pastor spoon feed you. Learn to feed yourself. Amen? Learn to grow in the word of God. Learn to, learn to be able to sit there and go. In fact, the, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is not just to empower us or bring us gifts, but one of those uh, that Jesus said the Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance those things that he has said to us. We can't remember things that we didn't put in there to begin with. He says, good job, Ephesians. You have tested. Just because someone stands up and says they're an apostle or, or they're a prophet or they're, they're a preacher, you don't just believe them just because they said it. You test them. And if they found to be false, you reject them. I, I think we need to get good at rejecting false teaching because there's a lot of it out there today. He says, good job. And you've persevered and endured hardships for my name it was hard to be a christian in the city of ephesus in that day it was difficult hotbed of satanic activity and sorcery and idol worship and it was rampant and the ephesians said no more we stand for the name of the one true savior jesus christ son of the living god they they took that stand and as a result history tells us they endured they endured persecution 
they endured political backlash. They endured societal and economic hardships as a result of their stand for the Lord. Does this sound familiar? If you sit there and say, I believe our, our, our rights are going to be trampled as Christians, people are going to come against us, absolutely. Taking a stand should start to be standard practice for the people of God. Tim Delina said it this way, that the church no longer has home field advantage. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, he talks about the last days, and he said there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I'll keep reading. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And Paul says to Timothy, have nothing to do with those people. Now, we're there, folks, and it's not going to get better. But taking a stand is standard practice. Now, when you and I take a stand in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if, you're, if you hear nothing else, say, li- listen to me on this. We take a stand in love. You can be firm and loving at the same time. Let me say that again. We can be firm and loving at the same time. Scripture says this, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. We serve a kind and loving God, but listen, who does not tolerate things that are contrary to the word of God. Amen? And you've heard the excuses. Will you disagree with me? You must hate me. No, 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 no. I just love God's word more than your opinion. And more than my opinion. Because our opinions don't matter. Can I have an amen? That's what God's word says. Acts chapter 5. Christianity began to cost the early believers. So let me say this. If you're a believer here today, don't be surprised if your Christianity costs you. It will. It should. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, uh, the apostles took a stand before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, and they were, they were, it was getting difficult. And it says this, they rejoice because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, capital N, Jesus They've been found worthy. If your Christianity has cost you, don't be depressed. If your Christianity has is, is, is made life difficult, let that serve as an indicator you may be doing something right. Now, Jesus commanded them, or commended them for, for standing strong against pressures of society. They didn't bend. They didn't deviate from the word of God. They didn't twist the word of God. They, they didn't leave stuff out. They took a stand. And when somebody crept in as a false preacher and began to downplay the word of God and give man's word instead of God's word, they tested him and said, you know what? You're not of God. But Jesus, how many of you have recognized that Jesus just won't leave well enough alone? Has there been an area of your life you've like, You've been obedient to a point with with the Lord. And like Jesus wants all of it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Pirates, you've seen the theme here. And and, and there's, what's a good pirate without an eye patch? Right? I'll try not to break it here. Okay. 
without an eye patch. Now, when we were studying this uh, this week and researching, why is the eye patch? Did they lose an eye? And there is a school of thought out there that the pirate wore an eye patch over one eye because when they were up on deck, they were out in the bright. <laughs> why are you laughing, Brandon? <laughs> okay. Um, bright, shiny sun, but they had to go below deck where it, the lights were dim and it was dark and they would keep one eye covered so that when they went below deck, they could switch so they could see what was going on below deck. Does that make sense? So in essence, it's like Jesus is saying, good job, good job, good job, but he wants to go below deck in our life. I wish Jesus would just, <laughs> just, I'm being real. Do you ever wish Jesus would just leave you alone sometimes? But he won't, will he? Jesus can bother you better than anybody else. And ultimately, as he goes on in Revelation chapter 2, he moves the eye patch. And he begins to look what's below the deck. And he basically reveals this to the church at Ephesus, that we can be uncompromising, but we can also be disconnected at the same time. You see, the church at Ephesus was active. The church at Ephesus was busy. The church at Ephesus uh, would have been the church getting a lot of notoriety on the, on the local news stations. Y'all with me? And we've been on the news, other churches have been on the news. I'm not saying that's bad, but this is the church that was always there. This was a church that had a lot of selfie opportunities. It had it going on. And Jesus said, yeah, you've been busy, but things aren't what they appear. He says this, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first, or you have forsaken your first love. Commentators will tell you that, that probably that Jesus was referring to the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself, that their love for God had waned and ultimately their love for the lost and their love for one another was struggling. Yes, you were busy, but you weren't in right relationship. In fact, what we need to do is we cannot confuse religious activity with spiritual progress. I need to say that one more time. We cannot confuse religious activity with spiritual progress. Uh, some, some scholars tell us that the church at Ephesus had fallen in love with their orthodoxy or they'd, they'd fallen in love with their religious routines and preferences more than they love God. Let the preacher preach. This is why it's important to know what God's word says. Because how many of you know that methods will change, but the message never will? Amen? Churches should not struggle just because, uh, let me say this, your relationship with the body of Christ should not be rattled just because they, they, this worship team makes us learn a new song sometimes. You non-church people, you see how quiet got there? That's called Conviction. Hello? 
Ephesus had fallen in love with their preferences, their orthodoxy, their routine, and the routine became more important than the relationship. Woodlake family, can I challenge us with this? May we always be single-minded when it comes to God and his word and the Holy Spirit being in absolute control. But if the youth pastor, Pastor Brady, does something crazy, which he is prone to do, in an effort to reach your kids and their friends, let's cheer him on. Hello. I said hello. If the kid's pastor is bothering you about letting your kid going to kid's camp, don't get upset with him. It's a method for kids to encounter Christ. Amen. Let's don't fall so in love with our preferences that Jesus no longer is important. And that's what was going on. And Jesus says, hey, you know what? Forget your routine. Forget your preferences. It will never change. You will always be about Christ. One one. One theologian said it this way, it was as if they had fallen out of their honeymoon phase. Husbands, do you remember when we pursued our wives? Life without them would be impossible. Life, I'll tell you right now, if if Jen, I told her this one time, I said, if you ever leave, I'm going with you. Do you remember the pursuit They were passionate. Everything was was about the relationship. And ultimately, God's people, the church at Ephesus, had fallen out of that honeymoon phase. They were no longer in love with God. It was nothing more than routine. And that's why we need to be careful. When When my position becomes more important than my passion, we're in trouble. When I desire my preference more than his presence, we're in trouble. When I value my reputation more than his righteousness, we are in trouble. We have forsaken our first love. When our comfort, when we pursue comfort more than our contribution, we are in trouble. Jesus was telling the church at Ephesus, your work for me is not as important as your walk with me. So what's the remedy? It's this. Remember and repent. Remember I had you repeat the word repent? Verse 5, consider how far you have fallen. Jesus said, listen, we, it wasn't always like this. Do you Remember? Sir, do you remember that night you said yes to Jesus Christ? Was it at a youth camp? Was it in a service? Was it kneeling by your bed with a grandparent? And you asked the Lord into your heart, do you remember? Now, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, you're just making me feel bad. No, we all go through highs and, wa- highs and lows in our walk with the Lord. There are, there are days that I felt like I've been closer to God than others. But aren't you thankful that he never leaves, nor will he forsake? That, so that feeling of being distant from God is on me. It's not on him. David 
King David even had to cry out to the Lord at one point in time and said, Lord, return to me the joy of my salvation. Oh, does the modern church need to return to the joy that we have been saved and set free, that my sins have not been counted against me, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because I go to church, not because I tithe, not because I read my Bible, but because of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, does it still blow you away? It's all about Jesus. He says, remember. Then he says this, then do the things. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. That, that word repent in the original language, it literally means this, to change one's life based on a complete change of attitude and thought. We live in a world today that values their thoughts more than the words of God. And Jesus, I love how he just doesn't, just cuts right to the chase. Repent, change your mind. Well, Jamie, I don't agree with the Bible. Well, the Bible's not going to change. You're the only one that's going to change. True story, you can look it up. Just recently, there was a man that sued Zondervan and Thomas Nelson, some of the biggest publishers of the Bible. Some of you read this article recently. Sued them for $70 million because in the Bible, 1 Corinthians conflicted with the way he wanted to live. 1 Corinthians talks about, by the way, that the, right, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it lists out what it is. And, and he tried to sue him for $70 million, and I quote, because it interfered with his life. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about the, the gospel. In fact, let me read it to you. I, I love what it says. He says, many are troubled because the gospel interferes with their sin. I will. <laughs> many are troubled because the gospel interferes with their sin. Woodlake family, does the gospel still interfere with our sin? Does the gospel still interrupt and convict and cause us to change? And Jesus said, remember, repent, change your mind. Well, Jamie, I feel, I feel, I feel. Our feelings are not the same as the gospel. And in fact, here's just a good rule of thumb. When I feel differently from God's word, I'm obedient by faith and my feelings will follow. My feelings need to follow me, not me, my feelings. Jesus said, change your mind. Jesus talking about religious leaders of the day who were doing the same thing. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but he goes on to say, but their hearts are far from me. Well, like, where's our heart? And then Jesus comes right out of it and says this, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. You, he didn't say you hate the Nicolaitans. You hate their practices. The Nicolaitans were a religious sect of people that had a little bit of Jesus, had a little bit of Judaism, had a little bit of other things. In fact, there was a religion, a religious practice in Ephesus known as the imperial cult and it were, were people that tried to view the Caesars or the leaders of that day as God-like. So they worshiped the political powers of that day. I'm gonna try not to make eye contact with Pastor Eric. Doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound like what's been taking place in our country for the last several years? 
Anybody tracking with me? They worship their political leaders. I don't care what side of the coin you are on. We need to pay attention. Ultimately, the Nicolaitans were, were simply this. They had a mixed and matched religion. If something interfered with their life, they just removed it and grabbed something else. Jesus said, you hate their practices? I hate those practices as well. Be single-minded. Then he goes on to say this, and I'll close. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let that be a challenge to Woodlake today. If we can hear, let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Woodlake family, what's the Spirit saying to us? Here's what I love about this passage. The church is not a building. The church is not the denomination. The church is us. What's the Spirit saying, listen to me, to you, Dad? What's the Spirit saying to you, Mom? What's the Spirit saying to you, student? Wow, Jamie, the message wasn't really for me today. Let's just set that aside. Anytime God's Word is open, God has something to say. Amen. Some time ago, I had the painful responsibility of having to help a sister church close its doors for good. Pastor Terry, you've been there before. Church had been having infighting and squabbling. And the church was, for all practical purposes, it was finished. I walked in on a Sunday evening, sat down with a handful of people, tears streaming down their faces. And they began to unpack some of the reasons why they thought their church was closing for good. Historic church, long, old church. They talked about, well, we, we began to have disagreements here and we be, this began to happen and that began to happen and this and that and on and on and on and on. I remember one elderly sister with, with literally mascara streaming down her face and she just tears. She said, it wasn't always like this. We had a business meeting dismissed the church and after everybody left I was walking out turning out the light and I thought how sad Pastor Paul Vido is actually standing in the foyer of this church and there's a trophy case there softball trophies softball trophy They were missions trophies. They were they, they would be given to missions for years. There were all these great things that had gone on in the church. And I'm looking at this trophy case, and the gnawing question hit me. What happened? What happened? What happened? And it's real simple. At some point in time, they quit listening to what the Spirit was saying. 
Woodlake family, here's a message to us. May we never stop listening to what the Spirit is saying to the church. You wonder why I'm hammering prayer service 6.30 Wednesday night at all locations where the family of Woodlake comes together and seeks the power and presence of God? Why? Because we need to listen to what the Spirit is saying to this church. Or else we're going to slip into an Ephesus mindset. We'll be religiously active but relationally broken. Out of fellowship with the Lord. What is the Spirit saying? But to the individuals here today, what is the Spirit saying to you? And if you're far from God, be encouraged. The remedy is simple. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except me. The way to God has and never will change. It will always be Jesus. Repent. Change your mind even if you don't feel like it. And come to him by faith. Amen. I'm going to invite everyone in here just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask everyone just to pause and say, Lord, this wasn't just a message to people who are away from God. This is a message to the church. And and maybe we need to pause. And maybe you need to say, what is the Spirit saying to me today? Maybe you have been religiously active, but, 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 well, you are far from God. And you say, you know, I need to come back to him today. Maybe you're here today and you've been having second thoughts about the Bible or the word of God. You've been influenced by what's on the television or what a celebrity has said or some, some teacher. But, man, the Holy Spirit is saying they are false and you need to change your mind and your feelings will eventually follow. But here's the real question. Where are you at with the Lord If you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I am not where I need to be. Maybe you've never had a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're here today just because it's Father's Day and you'd be honest and say, I I am out of relationship with God. I I am lost here today. I am in my sin. I am living life on my own. And folks, I'll just be honest with you. The Holy Spirit's just telling me you're tired. And you'd say, I need to be in relationship with him. And listen, then you listen to this. God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. The word says that God loved us so much he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay our penalty on the cross. In fact, the apostle Paul said it this way, that while we were still sinners, God commanded his love towards us in Christ Jesus. If you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need to leave here today knowing I'm a part of the family of God and right with God. You can know today. You can know. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that the Holy Spirit of God will testify with your spirit. If you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I need to be saved today. If you're watching online, Pastor Dennis is there right now ready to pray with you. But if you're here today, you'd say, Jamie, that's me. I need to be saved today. On the count of three, would you raise your hand? You can put it up, hold it for just a moment, and put it right back down. And then we're all going to pray, every one of us. You will not pray alone, but you say, Jamie, I'm saying yes to Jesus here today. Here we go. One, two, you be bold if that's you. Here we go. Three, that's me. Anybody in the house today? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? If you're watching online, again, Pastor Dennis is right there. You're saying yes to the Lord today. I'm not trying to trick you into joining the Woodlake, although you are welcome here. I'm inviting you to say yes to Jesus and all that he has for you. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen, amen, amen. All morning. 
Hallelujah. Anybody else? We'll wait just a moment. You say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm going to leave here forgiven. I'm going to leave here made new. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way, that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I am inviting you into that type of life. If that's you, raise that hand. Anybody else? I'm going to invite everyone to pray with me. If you're saying yes to the Lord, just let me be your pastor and lead you in this prayer of faith. And in fact, I'm gonna ask everyone here in the Woodlake family to pray it. We pray it every week, but if this is you, I'm gonna ask you to just mean it from your heart and let me lead you. Everyone say it. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat. The messages are straight from God's Word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.